Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Whoa. Hey, hey. Y'all doing good? Everybody happy? Hey, um, we're closing up this series today. I know you're like, wow, has this been a series or a season? Yes, it's been, a, it's been a season. So I think we're like on week, I don't know, eight or nine. And, uh, you know, last week wasn't really, but, but kind of was. It's kind of a precursor for today. But I do want to remind you all, we have these awesome bookmarks um, that serve as to remind you of, of the series. But not just that, you can stick us in your Bible and it's got you know, the prayer on there that you can just kind of pray through and you can take your notes and you can just kind of, you know, this will help your prayer life. So when you crack open your Bible in the morning or at night, I would encourage you to get a paper Bible and uh, stick this in there and then just go through the Lord's prayer and, and hold it better than I did and uh, just kind of go through it and just and just pray those things and just stop on those points and use those, them as an opportunity uh, to pray. Hey, I'm going to be in teacher mode today, okay? Is that, are y'all okay with that? Uh, well, I'm going to try. I'm going to attempt, I'm going to, attempt to do that. Um, my daughter told me this week, she said, you yell a lot. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I, I do. I yell a lot. So that's not why I'm going to yell less. I just, I, 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 just, I think today's content will be a little bit more teaching uh, mode. And, you know, it's funny how we do that. Te- teachers aren't preachers or or preachers aren't teachers. Actually, I'm a, I, I think I'm a preacher that teaches more than a teacher that preaches, right? I think. Maybe. I don't know. I'm probably more of a teacher that preaches. I don't know. I don't care. Don't label me. All right. So here we go. So we're, we're talking today. We obviously went through the Lord's Prayer, and then we, we're getting into just a couple of amendments. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we don't really like to use that word amendments, but a couple of weeks ago, we talked about intercessors. Y'all remember that? You were here. And then today, we're talking about praying in the Spirit. Everybody say praying in the Spirit. So I'm going to teach on praying in the Spirit today. But listen, when we talk about the Spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, He is the gift that keeps on giving. The Holy Spirit is the gift that keeps on giving. You don't, you don't just receive the Holy Spirit, you know, when you come to the Lord. No, no. He brings gifts along with him. And Jesus tells us this in John 14. I would encourage you to dig into John 14 through 16. And Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. I've been an advocate for you. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to be your advocate, right? We talked about that. Jesus is the intercessor. But I'm going to give you another advocate to be with you forever, that word advocate there is, is the Greek word paraclete, not to be confused with parakeet. Well, we said that before. Parakletos is actually the word. It means to come alongside of you, to be an advocate, to be someone that's, that's there with you, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him or the world doesn't have him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you. He's been dwelling in me, and he's lives with you and will be in you. So many times when we're talking about the Lord moving on the earth, we say, well, Jesus is moving, but really it's the Holy Spirit. And, and I think it is important because sometimes we just kind of throw God in this language, and we, we understand the Trinity, and we've talked about that a lot. But, but I think it's important, especially as Spirit-filled believers, that we identify the Holy Spirit. Jesus did. We, sh- we should do the same. 
but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live. And one day you will realize that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and I am in you. How is he in us? Through the Holy Spirit. So when does this happen? We see this in Acts. So Jesus comes again in Acts, and he's talking again about the Holy Spirit. Acts is written by Luke. John, obviously written by Luke. And this is what Luke records in Acts. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Acts 1-4, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised you. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the gift of the Father. So when we're talking about the Our Father prayer, we understand that we have the gift of the Father. What is the gift of the Father? The Holy Spirit, the one that he spoke about. John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is the precursor. Jesus is saying, this is what's going to happen. And so we know that they went to the upper room and they prayed. And what happened? Pentecost. What we talked about last week. Now, Pentecost wasn't a one-time event, right? Just like Easter, resurrection isn't a one-time event. It's happening in and through our lives. And so when we t- typically when people talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about him as a leader. We talk about him as being a comforter. We talk about him being an empowerer, right? These are all things, and they're all appropriate. But rarely do we talk about the Holy Spirit as our prayer partner. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is your prayer partner? He is the intercessor. He is the advocate that comes alongside of you. So he's not just empowering you and making you feel goosebumps during the service, right? Or, or when you're walking, provokes your heart. Yes, he does all those things. But, he, but Jesus also promised the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father of the Holy Spirit is also to be a prayer partner for you, that you would know how to pray. So today I want to teach on praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, what is praying in the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 14. How many know that we interpret the word through the word? We don't interpret the word through the pastor, through the lens of culture, through our opinion. We interpret the word with the word. The Psalm says this, in your light, I see light. Right? And so we interpret the word. So Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So praying in the spirit is praying in tongues. And some of you are like, well, I don't pray in tongues. We can, we can arrange that. We can help you with that. Well, where do you think that prompting comes from? Someone teaches you, a teacher. You have a teacher, right? My children learn how to speak English because we taught them how to speak English. Maybe dada or mama or no, right? The, the words that we learn as children, you, it's a language that you learn by being part of a family. Because we have a father, we have a new nature, the Lord gives us a new language. Now, some of you are like, whoa, hold on. Just track with me. Let me teach you. Let me be your pastor. So where does that prompting come from? Where do we learn? Does your spirit talk in a different language than your voice? I would suggest it does. But it's a new nature. It it, it doesn't come from you. 
It comes from him. You okay? So what I've got is I've got five questions about tongues. Okay, because I know you've got questions, right? I know you've got technical questions. First of all, what are tongues? <laughs> right? Oh, it's weird. It's a Pentecostal lady with a head covering and the no makeup and the no bowling alleys, right? That's what we think of. Tongues, <laughs> it's weird, bizarre. What are tongues? Well, we first see tongues in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, on the day of Pentecost. Here it is. Ready? Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they weren't speaking in tongues because they heard what somebody else was saying. They started speaking in tongues because they heard what the Holy Spirit was saying. So it's kind of like this. You guys have seen this, the Secret Service guys, right? They have the little earpiece, and somebody's telling them, right? You guys have seen, like, these spy movies where they have the thing in there, and they're like, this is what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say what you're hearing. Well, we don't have a voice in our ear. We have a voice in our belly, So when you're speaking in tongues, it's not gibberish. It's what the Holy Spirit is saying. As the Spirit enabled them. So on Pentecost, they just start what we would consider babbling. Nobody knew what they were saying. Until they went out and they started preaching in this tongue, and then they don't even know it, but they're speaking the language of all the foreigners that had gathered for the festival of Pentecost. And 3,000 people get saved because they're speaking in tongues. Not because they learned the language from the foreigners. No, they learned the language by the Spirit of God. It wasn't a voice in their ear. It was a voice in their belly. And let me say this, because this was my hang-up, okay? So I would, when I, y'all have heard me share this story several times. In 93, I came to the Lord, and I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In our church, they preach that if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. And I would say, in most cases, that is true. Now, people get offended because they're like, well, I don't speak in tongues, and I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. And my question to you is, well, how do you know? So tongues is definitely an indicator that you definitely are. You might be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you haven't spoken tongues yet. But you definitely know you're filled with the Holy Spirit if you speak in tongues. Did you know that tongues is the only gift of the Spirit that we don't see in the Old Testament? It's the only gift that's exclusive to the Spirit-filled life. Isn't that interesting? So tongues, what are tongues? Tongues are a language the Holy Spirit gives. Now, sure, you can make up something you've heard. And there's been a lot of people that have done a lot of weird things. Just say Jabba Jabba, you know, a hundred times, and you're speaking in tongues. That's not as the Holy Ghost prompted you. But let me say this. The Holy Spirit never controls. He only leads. Right? The Holy Spirit never controls. He only leads. So what I thought and my hang-up was is that the Holy Spirit's going to grab my tongue and rattle it. I'm going to just stand there, and he's going to possess me. Now, I am possessed by the Holy Ghost, but he's going to possess me, and I'm not going to have a free will. I'm not going to have any control. It's just all going to be God, right? I'm going to start saying this. I thought that's what was going to happen. So for three months, I had an unction in my belly. That's what the old language says, an unction. I had, I had what, what Acts says here, an enablement, but I wasn't responding to the enablement. I wasn't responding to the to the stomach piece. I was like, well, that's not tongues because it doesn't sound like this person's tongue. And so I would never respond to that. So I was bashful. But I can tell you, July 4th of 93, when I responded to that, 
then it, the Holy Ghost just poured out of me. Because it's like I, I got out of my the mindset that says the Holy Ghost is going to control me and I'm going to start convulsing or something. Right? Now, you can, listen, you can make things up. You can make things happen. You can do all that. But you can also just respond to what the Lord's doing in you. And so some of you, listen, some of you say, well, I haven't really spoken tongues. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I haven't spoken tongues. Again, how do you know? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, when I say that, I'm not accusing you. I'm inviting you. And so what I, what I want you to do is I, I, I just want you to respond to that. And some of you, you might respond to that today, and, you're, and everything, everything will be different. And so for me, it was. I was totally transformed when I just responded. It's like I opened up. It's like, for me, listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not tongues, but tongues come with it. It's the gravy, right? And so a new creation needs a new language. And so tongues, to answer the question that you asked, <laughs> tongues are a language that the Holy Spirit gives. So tongues are a benefit of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I would suggest this to you. And I want to lead you in this, that tongues are available for you. And some of you are like, oh, aren't tongues a little weird? That would be the second question, right? Because it is. It is pretty weird. I mean, for me, like, I've been speaking in tongues most of my life. So it's normal to me now. But for someone that's never experienced that or never been to a church in that or they're totally foreign to that and they're like, well, you aren't one of those tongue-talking churches, are you? And what a lot of churches have done, listen, is they've kind of held their cards behind their back. And they're going, well, we don't really And I, I, was, I would rather just show you the cards. That way you're not part of our family for six months and then get offended because we by speaking in tongues and then you leave and I've got all this attachment. I'd rather just, just be real about it. We're not going to preach about it every Sunday, but we're not trying to hide anything. We're, we're tongue-talking, Pentecostal, spirit-filled. If it's in the Bible, it's in from, it, and are they a little weird? Sure, they're supernatural. So every, listen, everything that's spiritual in the not, natural mind is weird. But biblical things are only weird if you're not biblically minded. So, and I, I, I'm afraid, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the, the frustration is increasing with our culture and church culture and all these kind of things with me right now. I've, I've had enough of a lot. But um, we, we've gotten a little too carnal minded in the church. We started dismissing things in Scripture because they don't fit the lens of our culture or our preference. And as beloved, it's time we get back to the Bible. <laughs> and, I, and I'm all about it because in the Bible is where we see people getting healed and needs being met and souls being saved. And that's what I want to see. And, I, and do I want the world around me transformed? Absolutely. What I'm, what, what I'm mostly concerned about is people dying and going to a real hell. And I want to see people come to heaven with me. And I want people to encounter the real Jesus. Not some facade Jesus, not some fake Jesus that the culture has created to make them palatable. Hmm. I wasn't going to preach today. So aren't tongues a little weird? Listen, I would suggest this to you. Don't talk your way out or even argue your way out of a good gift. And for some reason, and, and I get it. Sometimes people have made themselves more spiritual. I speak in tongues and you don't. Yeah, but you can't love your neighbor. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't break that addiction. You can't be nice to people. 
you've got a problem. Speaking in tongues doesn't make you more spiritual. It can. But if you're looking down and pointing down at people because they don't, then you've got a bigger problem. It's called pride. I was thinking this yesterday that the biggest weakness is admitting you don't, is not admitting you have one. <laughs> right? So these are the challenges, right, with, with tongues. Is first of all, people say, well, it's been abused. Right? It's been abused. Listen, don't dismiss a truth because it's been corrupted or perverted. Just because, I would suggest this, because something is true, therefore it's often perverted. Most truths are perverted. In fact, you know a thing is true because someone has come in and perverted it. So it's been abused. So let's just not participate because it's been abused. Well, that's foolish. Why would I want to neglect a good gift? The second thing is this, is we can make a mistake. I've ran into so many people, right, well-meaning, theologically-minded people that will say, you know what, we don't want tongues in church because it's been used inappropriately. Listen, the Bible never says not to do it. It says how to do it. Would you understand this? And, and I would encourage you to say, well, how do tongues play in a church? We're going to talk a little bit about that today. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 talks a lot about this. It gives us instruction. And so what people have done is say, well, we're not going to do tongues in church because people continually doing it wrong. Listen, we do all kinds of stuff in church that we get wrong. But I'm willing to go for all of it and make some mistakes along the way. Listen, I would rather have the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit happening. I'd rather people be praying in tongues and screw up a couple of times in service and try to make those adjustments and get it right. And this is what Paul's dealing with. I mean, it was wild up in there. And he's like, listen, God's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. But listen, some things are so ordered <laughs> that there's no spirit. And it's like, we should be at the place like the Corinthians church where God is moving in such a way to where we have to bring some correction to things. If we're not having to correct things from time to time, then we're not growing. We're not experiencing. So I'm willing to risk it, right? I'm willing to make some mistakes. I'm willing to get it wrong a little bit. Not on, not on major things, but, you know, we shouldn't have to. We're doing that all the time. We do that all, kinds of, all the time with unspiritual things. We, we talk about this as staff all the time. What can we do to make it better? What can, we do, what can we do to fix this? What can we do to tweak this? We're having these conversations all the time. So, there's, so for some reason, we feel like that if we're, if we're being experimental with the gifts, that we have to be perfect. Well, you're not going to be perfect with it. So let's just risk it. Let's risk it for the biscuit, right? All right, so another objection is this, is it might freak people out. People might be freaked out. Listen, I'm contending with you. Stop being so consumed with the opinions and the feelings of the culture. We are more concerned about the feelings and the opinions of the culture than we are God. What is wrong with us? We're supposed to be Christ followers. His opinion is supposed to be the primary opinion that I live by. His feeling is the feeling that I'm supposed to primarily live by, not by the lens of the culture. And so what we've done is we said, you know what? Let's kick the Holy Ghost out of the church so our church will be more palatable for people. we filled our church with people that are unspiritual. They're running the church, and now where's the Spirit of God? Now where's the value for the word of God? It's not there. It's absent. Why? Because we kicked the spirit of truth out. We said we don't want the Lord here because people might get offended. Now we're now we're our churches are filled with people that are unredeemed. 
And the Holy Ghost is saying, I want to go back in. And I, I'll be there. You just got to be open to me. <clears throat> you okay? So we need to be more sensitive to God and redeem the time by reclaiming the truth. Let me say that again. We need to be more sensitive to God and redeem the time by reclaiming the truth. This is how we redeem the times. So, what are tongues? We've answered that. Aren't tongues a little weird? Yes, if you're carnally minded. Yes, they are pretty weird, but we're biblically minded, so we're like, okay. There's a lot of things in the Bible that I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of strange. It's okay. Well, yes, because I'm carnally minded, so I'm trying to be spiritually minded, so I'm going to get my mind wrapped around the scriptures. Number three, are tongues for everyone? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> are tongues for me? Yes. Absolutely. Mark 16, 17. Here you go. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. Have you drove out any demons? Have you drove out your own demons? <laughs> most, most, most of us don't drive out our own demons. We, we pet our own demons. <laughs> we justify our own demons. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. You're going to speak in new tongues. This is what Jesus said. It's a great commission. You're going to speak in new tongues. So are tongues for everyone? Yes. Okay, we answered that. There's three kinds of tongues, okay? Let, let me help you out. In the scriptures, Paul talks about this. He's like, there's diverse tongues, okay? First of all, you have a tongues like a foreign language. That can be the gift of tongues. Not necessarily you're going through a class or, or what, what, is that, what is that course that everybody goes through, learn languages? Rosetta Stone, right? It's not Rosetta Stone. You learn it from the Holy Ghost, right? And so on Acts, they got up and they start speaking what the Holy Spirit's prompting, and they're actually preaching in another language. Now, this doesn't happen in every time in the book of Acts that they're speaking foreign languages. Sometimes they're just speaking of what Paul would call tongues of angels. So sometimes it's a foreign language. Sometimes it's a prophetic utterance. Now, when we talk about tongues as a prophetic utterance, we've had this happen at Overflow before, not a lot. I hope, wish it would happen more often, where someone in a service speaks out, and they're like, and they get this word in tongues, and everybody's like, whoa, that's kind of weird, and then another person in the room has the interpretation for that word. So this is what's talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. When he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, he says the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. Well, those two gifts are supposed to go together. So the idea is that I speak out a tongue, and then God gives another person the interpretation. How cool is that? So Paul actually says this. He says this will actually be a sign for the unbeliever because this person's interpreting by the Spirit of God. Isn't that cool? And so that is when it's talking about in 1 Corinthians 12, when it's talking about the gift of tongues, it's really talking about the gift of the message in tongues, a prophetic utterance. Okay, and then you have the third gift of tongues, which would be the prayer language. And sometimes a praise language. And this is the thing that's promised to all of us. We're not all going to get the foreign language thing. We're not all going to have the gift of tongues where we stand up just like we're not, you know, all going to prophesy. We should seek to prophesy. Paul tells us this. And we're, we're not all going to have the gift of healing, yet we're all called to lay hands on the sick and they recover, right? We, all these gifts, like we're all called to pursue these things, but some people just have the gift. And then some people have the gift of tongues. It's not necessarily the prayer language that you get upon baptism of the Holy Spirit, a prayer language. That would be the third kind of tongue here. And you could also say a praise language because Paul says this. He says, I pray in tongues, I speak in tongues, and he's like, and I sing in tongues. 
And so if you can if you can speak in tongues and you can sing, then you can sing in tongues. It's just it's just to a melody, right? And so I, I do that quite often, and uh, it's really fun. And you know I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. My mind's unfruitful. So this is one thing where where people get hung up in when you talk about prayer language. When I was when I was youth pastoring way, way, way back in the early 90s, when, right after I got saved, I started youth pastoring at a little church in Mesquite. Uh, did that for about a year and a half. And we had kids go to camp. And I didn't get, because I had to work, I didn't get to go to camp. And when they came back from camp, they were all fired up. And, the, and I was like, what happened to camp? And they said, I got my prayer language. And I was like, hold up a minute. You got your prayer language? And they're like, yeah, I got my prayer language. I said, beloved, you got... I probably didn't say beloved, but I said, hey, bro, you got way more than a prayer language. (laughs) You got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he brought a prayer language with him. And so that's what happens when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You get a prayer language. So you don't get a prayer language. You you do get that, but that's like the tinted windows on the car. So don't get distracted. He brings that with him, right? Gravy. And so it's important. You get it. That comes along with it. But, But you've got far more than that. Come on. Y'all okay? I'm teaching today. Our tongues for everyone, yes. So you will, God has given you a prayer language. Maybe you're not praying in that language yet, but I would suggest that it is available to you. Okay? I'm trying to help you today. Number four, because, because I know for someone who's been doing this for what, for, for a couple decades, almost three decades, I'm like, this has been a benefit to my life so much. Number four, should tongues be in a church service? And this is where people get hung up. Well, I don't know. Well, Paul's addressing a church that has it in their service, and he's saying this is how you structure tongues in your service because it could be confusing and a little weird for outsiders, so let's work it out. So he he says a couple things. I'm going to review a lot of it. He says a couple things. He says, first of all, there should only be like two or three tongues. And if someone doesn't get the interpretation of it, the person giving the message should get the interpretation for it. It'd be cooler if somebody else did, but if they don't get it, then that person should get it or he should shut up. It's basically what Paul says. And uh, he says that, again, it can actually be a a sign for the unbeliever. 1 Corinthians 14, I'm not going to read all of it. There's a lot there. I would encourage you to get into that. If this is a subject that you're interested in, dig a little deeper, 1 Corinthians 14. Again, 12 through 14, just get in that. It's great. It's like, this is how it works in worship. And we might get it wrong. So you just come to me and say, hey, what is this? And we'll kind of walk through it together. You okay? So so it is with you, since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel those and build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret what they say. That's what we were talking about just a minute ago. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays and my mind is unfruitful. What am I saying? I don't know. Mine's unfruitful. Okay. So what shall I do? I will pray in my spirit, but also pray in my understanding. Okay, we pray both. I will sing in my spirit, but also sing with my understanding. There it is, singing in the spirit. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of the acquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they don't know what you're saying, right? So, so someone's like praying in tongues, kura basana, and they're like, amen. <laughs> well, they don't know what to do. They can't agree to that. They can't say, so be it. You know, they don't know. You're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. That's a good line, right? Thank God. 
I mean, I'm a, I'm a tongue-talking Pentecostal man. I thank God for that. But in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others in 10,000 words of a tongue. So he's like, tongues are, tongues are beneficial, but most of the words spoken church need to be understandable. You getting that? Okay, so number five, what are the benefits? What are the benefits of praying in tongues? This, this is really where I want to drill down on today. We've drilled a little bit. We're going to drill a little more. Ephesians 6.18 says this, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Whoa. When do you pray in the Holy Ghost? When do you pray in tongues? All the time. On all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So we're called to do it. Well, why? What are the benefits? Why should I, why should I pray in tongues? That's kind of weird. It's kind of bizarre. Or I did once, but I haven't in a long time. Let me help you. First of all, it builds you up. Praying in tongues builds you up. Jude 20, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. What is he talking about? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in tongues. That word build up is the same word as build a house. So when you're praying in tongues, you're building a house. When you're praying in the Spirit, you're building a house. So what I do, when I'm ministering to someone, if they're spirit-filled, now if it's someone that's like, I don't know, like where they're at, they might be like, you know, super like cessationist, which means that they think that the gifts of the Spirit have gone away and they're not active anymore. So if I'm praying for someone like that, I, I'm sensitive to that. Come on. I don't go, you know, I don't start yelling. And I mean, they would be like, okay, bro, <laughs> see ya, right? It's not going to help. But, it, but, it, but if it's you, <laughs> And you're up front, I'm, going, I'm usually going to start off, I'm going to start praying in, in the Spirit for a minute. Because what am I doing? I'm building my faith for you. So oftentimes, almost every time when I'm driving to church, you know what I'm doing? I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm just praying in tongues while on my car, just driving here. Turn off the radio, just what am I doing? I'm building my faith. When I'm discouraged, check this out, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. This is what we've done in our culture. We've given the responsibility to everyone else to take care of me. The, you want to talk about self-care? Pray in the Holy Ghost. When I get discouraged, you know what you want to encourage me? I pray in the Holy Ghost. I just start praying in the Spirit. When I'm in a funk, when I'm in a bad place, when I need to change my mindset, I pray in the Spirit. And you know what happens? A switch is turned. Switch doesn't turn. Switch is flipped. <laughs> Got that, Zach Master. It's a weird switch. Y'all okay? So I, 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 another thing. So my pastor that we served under in El Paso, one time he, he, he walked by my office just like this. This is my office door. He walks by, and I'm working, and he walks back, and he goes, hey, I wanted to tell you something. He knew I had a graphic design business, and I was, you know, working this hustle like, like I do. And so he said, hey, he said, how's the design business going? I said, it's going pretty good. He's like, listen, I want to encourage you. If you're ever at a place where you feel like you're not creative, just pray in the spirit. And I was like, okay. And then he walked along. You know, I never forgot that. And so what I do sometimes when I'm lacking creativity, I'll just pray in the Holy Ghost. And you know what happens? The creator, <laughs> come on, starts moving in me. 
and then all of a sudden I can be, be creative. So sometimes when I'm working for a client, I'm like, man, I just don't know where, I, where to go. You know, I'll just start going off. Why? Because I'm, I'm just building up. I'm building my faith. I'm, I'm encouraging myself. Listen, Jude tells us, build up your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. Build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. And so, listen, take personal responsibility for your faith being built. Don't, don't trust your pastor. I'm going to do a little bit. I'm going to supplement. You, you've got to take personal responsibility for your faith, for your walk with the Lord, for the, for the encouragement of your spirit. David encouraged himself in the Lord. We are in a culture that blames everyone else for my health and my self-care and my yada yada. And man, it's all about me, this narcissism. And that's exactly what it is, beloved. You can mask it however you want, but when it comes about you all the time, that's narcissism. It doesn't always look like a, like a six-foot-two white man coming around being mean. Sometimes it's you just focused on yourself too much. Take responsibility. You want to be encouraged? God's given you a gift to be encouraged. Activate that gift. Listen, I, I'm telling you, I've had to do this because I get discouraged. And sometimes reading the Bible don't encourage me. Sometimes I'm like, man, I really suck at this. I'm very not very good, Lord. I need some encouragement. Pray in the Spirit. Number two, he leads us in prayer. It leads us in prayer. Praying in the Holy Spirit leads us in prayer. Romans 8, 26 in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes. Remember? Remember what Jesus said, the paraclete? The paracletos? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Listen, there's, a, there's levels to this prayer thing. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. This is a powerful, powerful thing. It's not just, we're not just rambling. So when I'm thinking of someone, when like someone's been on my mind, like people in this room happens all the time. Like part of being a pastor is like you're just, you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about people. You know what it is? It's the Holy Ghost. And you know what I do? I pray in the Spirit for you. I don't know what to pray. You're just on my mind. You're on my mind for a reason. Sometimes I might not want to think about you. And maybe that's why I need to pray for you, because I need to do my work in here. Uh, Stinker, right? (laughs) So I'll just start praying in the Spirit. Can I tell you? that time after time after time that happens, and I'll reach out to people and say, hey, I just want to let you know I was thinking about you this week. If I ever tell you that, it's because I've been praying in the Spirit for you. And they'll say, you know what? At that time, on that day, I was going through this. Well, I didn't know what to pray, but he did. And he was given, he was the voice in my belly. And he's saying, pray this. And you know what? I wasn't just praying. I was praying according to the will of God. That's number three, which we'll come back to. So there's, there's kind of these, these levels of prayer, right? We have like, and again, James tells us this, right? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So that tells us that there's some prayers that don't avail much, right? It doesn't mean that they're not important or that they avail, but just not much. 
So if I'm on my prayer, so there's levels of this prayer thing, right? There's a, there's a breath prayer, right? That's great. Then there's a time of prayer that's better. And then I, I'm getting to this place, and I'm, I'm learning, and I'm growing, and I've been there, and I'm circling back around, where, well, I will just start praying in the Spirit. And I'll get to this point where I'm praying. It's just like a groan. And it's just like, oh, like I don't even have words. I don't even have the utterance from the Spirit yet anymore. All I got is a groan. And I'm just, oh, what is that? That's what he's talking about right here in Romans. Groanings that can't be uttered. I can't, I don't even have a language for it. I don't even have a tongue for it. I'm just like, oh. You ever been there? This is this depth. I believe those prayers avail much. This is groaning, this travailing, this weeping, all these kind of things. So another thing is this. We're praying the will of God. This is what he talks about right there in verse 27. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So one of the blessings about praying in the Spirit is you, you're always praying God's will. Lord, is it your will? I don't know. Maybe it's your will. Maybe it's not. Well, I'll just pray in the Spirit about it because then I'll be praying the will of God. Right? Now, I'm not just praying about what I want. I'm praying what the Spirit wants. Y'all okay? Yeah. Number four is this. It's an intimate, private language. You know, there's, there's language that Pastor and Leslie and I share that we don't share with anyone else. She thinks of the things I'm about to say before I ever say them. And I try to do that. It's hard. <laughs> She's a lot better at it than I am. Like I said, hey, babe, you really need to learn how to make banana pudding, right? She knows. Why? Because we have an intimate, private language, and she, she knows, right? Uh, yeah, the Holy Ghost and somebody gave me that idea, and I requested. And so it's this whole, like, thing. But there's things that, little inside jokes that we have, little isms that we have that nobody else, we say it, like I was saying that right now, you're like, why is that funny? It's like, well, it's funny because we've been talking about it for weeks. But it's this little ism, it's this little intimate language that we have that nobody else has. And so when you pray in the Spirit, you have a special intimate language with the Holy Spirit. Oh, so good. So good. So pray in the Holy Ghost. And number five is this, is it's convenient. <laughs> I'll just be real with you. Because sometimes I don't know what to pray. <laughs> Hey, pastor, will you pray for me? Sure. I don't know what to pray. What do you want me to pray? They'll tell me, okay, I'll pray that. Most of the time it's vague. Well, I'm just going through some stuff. Okay. <laughs> What's that mean? How am I supposed to? Well, you don't have to tell me everything. The Lord knows. So I'll just pray in the Holy Ghost for you. I'll pray for you. I would rather you be a little bit more real with me. <laughs> I'd like to give you some wisdom also. It's just convenient. It's when you're driving on the road. You don't have to think about it. It's just, it's just a switch. A switch that you flip. <laughs> right? It's a dial you turn. Turn it on. And some of you have grown dormant in this. Maybe you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, or maybe you, I've spoken tongues one time, but I haven't done it again. Well, why haven't you done it again? Well, I guarantee you the Spirit's giving you utterance. Why aren't you just responding? Well, this doesn't sound weird. It's not eloquent like yours. Well, I've been speaking in tongues for 30 years. This is, I'm better at that than in English. Ask my wife. <laughs> it's probably messed up too, but she can't correct it because it's just me and the Lord. 
You said that word wrong. Oh. Pastor Nathan comes out, you know you said that word. I'll just start preaching in tongues. I'll get it all right, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, come on. Y'all okay? All right. Let's stand up. Thank you.